Hello, welcome to another episode of Lay Film. I'm your co-host, Richard Lay, and here with me is Tyler, Kevin, Patrick. And today we are actually going to review the 2012 Danish film, The Hunt, directed by Thomas Vinderberg. And The Hunt is about, according to Letterboxd, a teacher who lives a lonely life all the while struggling over his son's custody. His life slowly gets better as he finds love and receives good news from his son, but his new luck is about to be brutally shattered in it by an innocent lie. No! Lukas? Lukas? Hi. Okay, slip for me. Kigger du lige ind? Det går lige. And uh, for this for this week, you actually picked this one, Richie. So like, tell us a bit about it. Like about what what made you choose it? Yeah, so I chose this film, um, and I watched this yeah about like probably eight or seven years ago, right around the time it was um, releasing. And um, yeah, I picked it because I really like the lead actor, uh, Mads Mikkelsen. Um, He's always been someone that I kept an eye on since I've seen him in like the first Pusher film, um, Casino Royale, when he played the uh, the main antagonist in that film, and um, he's probably more popular now for um, the TV series Hannibal. Um, yeah, I picked this film because I thought it was relevant to what's going on today, despite it being that it almost came out like a decade ago. Um, <clears throat> yeah, it is about fanning the flames and talking or discussing about things that um, people don't know about or people maybe are too lazy to learn about or too judgmental or it's just this whole mob mentality that it's easy to just jump on like a bandwagon or jump to a specific narrative because it makes you feel uncomfortable that you don't want to do the legwork to actually um, see whether what you're doing is right or wrong. And, yeah, that's why I picked this film. I thought it would be a good thing to discuss right now with um, the tension that is going on today in our political climate. Yeah, what did you, um, what did you think, Tyler? Oh, uh, I loved the movie. I thought it was, I was like drawn in so easy, like from the start. Um, but, oh man, it was such a tough watch. Like it was, it was one of the most like frustrating movies I've ever seen in a good way, in a good way. Um, so I think, uh, Thomas Vinterberg did a really good job with that in the story. And yeah, you're right. It is so relevant today. Especially, uh, just with everything going on, like, whatever, like, the Me Too movement and stuff, not to say, like, it's just, like, there's, like, especially in this film, I feel like the due due diligence was not done, you know, where I feel like everyone deserves that, no matter what the crime is, or the accusation, but yeah, it was, it was, it was tough, but it was, it was a good watch, it was a great film. Yeah, I think you bring up a good point about, like, 
I mean, the example of the Me Too movement, like it's a movement that is based off of, um, you know, believing all women and um, in some ways, yeah, it's doing a lot of good, but in some other ways, maybe it could be the minority that could be doing harm. As in, like, we live in a country where uh, we're supposed to assume that a person is um, innocent until proven guilty. And um, I think with that kind of movement, it kind of hurts that whole idea of us being American citizens and us having that right. I think that some part of that movement could take away from that. But, um, and I'm not saying that movement is wrong. I'm just saying that it could take away from that right to have, to be innocent before gathering all the evidence and finding out, um, the truth. Yeah. I mean, cause that even ties into other movements in the history. I mean, even of this country, like with the red scare and whatnot, and even with the Salem witch hunt trials, like it's, it's always a thing that's going to be, um, in the midst of, of these, of times where people are trying to seek out the truth. Sometimes they can let emotions and all of these other um, boundaries, like, clout their judgment. And, I mean, as we're, like, going to soon discuss with the movie, we can see how easy it is to believe what we want to believe. And when it comes to the truth, it's, it's like one of those things where all you can do is state it. One thing, my initial impression of this movie was how helpless you can be like standing on your own with the truth when the majority is against you. And it's in a sense, like I, it, it was almost paralyzing to watch during some scenes because it's like, what else can you do? Like, I mean, sure, like, you can try to gather evidence, but people are going to, like, if they're dead set on having you fall by the wayside, there's a good chance that you're going to fall by the wayside. Or at least the stain of the accusation is going to stay with you. And this is one of those movies where I can't remember, at least in recent memory, seeing a movie that explores these themes so well because it especially with just the the way that it uh it like the, i'd imagine that it's just one ebb and flow where it, it washes something up on shore and then it takes it away but you can still see the indentations in the sand that's what this movie felt like for me and it was very eye-opening because it's like that's like truth always requires vigilance and I, I think that as just a proponent for always seeking out what is the actual, what are the actual facts versus what is hearsay. And I don't know, I think that it's important to always gather evidence and do your research before fully buying into something. And even if you do decide to uh, believe something, any, everything can be treated as, as falsifiable. Because it's like we can never know with a hundred percent certainty that the sky is blue. Because the word blue is just a made-up word for us to categorize the look of something. Like I, 
I don't know, the truth is very elusive, but it's also apparent. It can just be hard to deal with at times, or at least see when emotions get in the way. Yeah, I really like the, uh, I really like the vagueness, as well as the spectrum of characters. Where you have, like, a martyrdom, seemingly selfless guy in Mads, which he needs to be for the narrative. And then you have varying degrees of... There's only, like, two, maybe two, villain, two villains outright, but even though they're not caricature villains, they're still people, and they still have a... There's still a depth to them, the way they're written. They're just guilty of, like, extreme negligence or self-deception. And then everyone else who you get upset like it's a hard move to watch a lot of scenes that hurts to see because it's so real but there's a depth to all the characters where it's like you know of course this character reacts this way because they feel this way right or wrong and we know as the audience that they're wrong to do that but it's completely understandable why they may feel that way irrationally or not irrationally or not and then uh, you guys brought up the connection to the Me Too stuff. And that really, that really reframed it for me. Where it is a vague. There, there's the concept of like in America, the innocence proven guilty, but in the social age and all that other stuff, there's like a new hierarchy of law, especially in the social media thing. Where we see that in 2012, this film was made. Mm-hmm. It's like the groundwork for the same themes we see today on the bigger stage, but this is set in a small town where the same stuff is now magnified. Where the, the law may acquit someone, but the social pariah status is still attributed to them. And this film is just a great, so much, there's so much great stuff about it. Even the, the way it's shot, it's so warm. And it really, it really makes the fact that the characters aren't included in that warmth hurt even more. It's just, it's really down there with film. I really enjoyed it. Yeah, I think uh, you do bring up good points about, like, yeah, the film, this come off very warm. There is, like, a camaraderie um, with Mad's uh, character, Lucas, where in the beginning, like, he's, um, like, they're, like, skinny dipping. Uh, oh, yeah, with and, all those friends and yeah. stuff, yeah. So, like, in the beginning, like, you do feel the closeness. You do feel, like, how uh, warm their relationships are before it all crumbles. And that's what's so um, maddening, frustrating, and sad about it is that it's not like it's not like he's a stranger in the town. Like, everyone knows him. But then just this little innocent little lie can just um, turn everything on its head. And... Um, yeah, I was already, like, discussing it with you guys beforehand, but yeah, it does remind me of, like, other, another film that is, like, mired in controversy right now, um, that I had a discussion with one of my family members who should not be named, but yeah, it, it does tie into what we we're talking about, like, I was telling, well, he was making blanket statements <clears throat> about this film, I don't know if I want to name, I don't, doesn't matter if I name drop it or not. The film? Yeah. Ah, uh, yeah. I don't think it matters. I don't think we're going to watch it, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> maybe we got we have to give it some time to cool off first, I think, because but, it is getting a lot of attention. And then, like, next week we do an episode on it. <laughs> <laughs> Gosh. No, yeah, that's going to be tough. Anyways, go on. Um, but anyway, um, he was making blanket statements, and he outright admitted he's just never seen it, just seen clips, just 
and I told him, hey, I think it's dangerous, sir, and I think it's irresponsible that you are making blanket statements without actually watching the said film, because that kind of invalidates your opinion. If people are going to listen to you and respect your opinion, you may as well be knowledgeable about it, but you're not. And then he made it this whole morality thing. This We had got this into this back and forth thing. And he was telling me, making me feel like, oh, I'm supporting something terrible. And no, I'm on this moral high ground because I refuse to um, subject, subject myself to it. And I'm like, I'm just telling him, hey, man, like, you were right to your opinion. As long as you do the legwork, you have to do the, the due diligence of treating the people that follow you and respect your opinion. Like, you know, don't make yourself look out to be um, ignorant. And I was telling him, you know, you're, you're just a blind, you're just a blind person. And people who follow you, they're just a blind following the blind. And I think that's completely unfair. Make those, make those same statements, but do your, do your work, do your research. It's like if we all came together today and only one person watched a movie and then like the, the rest of you guys either watched, only watched a trailer or only watched somebody else's review or, yeah. I or watched Wikipedia. <laughs> yeah, or like just, just looking at the Wikipedia. It's like, okay, why, why come here and thinking that you have a respectable opinion when you haven't done the work? That's all it is. Everyone needs to do the work. And that's exactly what this film is trying to say. Mm-hmm. You need to go out and find the truth, you know? Yeah, and that's just so aggravating. Like, one of the characters, I think her name is Great, Greta? Greta. Greta, yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. Um, I, 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 can ag- I think everyone here can agree that she's probably the most frustrating and most aggravating character in this film because she is someone that works with um, Lucas, <laughs> our main, our protagonist, and she is the reason why the film does stir or does um result in this whirlwind of just yeah problems that like just keep arising yeah and i think that um even by the end of the film i was still aggravated because like she's she wasn't present and i'm like where where is the justice for this and we're not in spoilers here but i'm saying like you know even after you finished a film, there's still just so much more that you'd want in terms of justice and redemption. And I think that's what made it so great. Yeah. Now I wanted to touch on, like you said, with the other film we haven't mentioned the name of. It's just another, I don't know if this is a more modern trend, but films seem so politicized nowadays. Where it's, it's very one or the other. Where I think the only film I can think of similar to this one is kind of The Woodsman. But even then, that's more of like an unashamed... Like the character in that is a convicted pedophile versus... And I want to say that had controversy around it when it was being made. Where now it feels like there's so much weight attributed to a film. Even the conceptually being made that goes beyond something like this film's capable of doing where it's a not abject but it's like a step removed it's not meant to be politicized it's more of just a reflection of the human condition in nature 
and that's why it feels like it works so well. Where I think like the aforementioned film, people have already drawn lines about what it means and what the film is, and it feels like that film has already been torpedoed. Even though I I've never had a I haven't had a personal interest to check it out yet. But just already it's been like not tainted, but it's been like I see enough of that stuff on the news. I don't want to watch a movie that just reminds me of the split between everything and everyone. Right. Where I'd rather just I'd rather watch the hunt again and get upset watching <laughs> the hunt than just yeah you know, watch I, something that I has think, such a yeah. I think you made a really good point. Like you don't want to watch it because you already have all these expectations and you already understand what it's trying to go for and. Watching this film, at times, yeah, it makes you uncomfortable. And it makes everyone uncomfortable because it's the truth. Like, it's real. Like, it happens. And, yeah, and the, the film that I brought up earlier, yeah, everyone's uncomfortable or everyone's um, trashing it because it makes them feel uncomfortable. But it's, gonna, it's going to allow a certain discourse about it. That's why we're here to talk about it because... We do get to shed more of a light on that, uh, on the themes it's trying to display for us. One thing I um, wanted to touch upon with the impressions itself is um, the time and setting of the place of like this entire story, because it it takes place during uh, the the shifting of the seasons from fall to winter, and like you can just. I don't know, it's so representative of, like, all the tones and even just the themes that are touched upon. It makes it all the more, I don't know, unsettling in a way. But also, like like you mentioned, Pat, like, it does have that very warm feeling. Because, you know, you can tell that all these people are just going about their daily lives and everyone's keeping up with everyone. And when some when something happens, everyone knows about it. Because, I mean, Lucas used to be a, a school teacher. And so when we join up with him at the start of this movie, he's working inside of a kind of like a daycare facility. Yeah. Like, like a very, uh, like run by like a, just a few community members. And, you know, like he's playing with all the kids, like he's walking into work and then like they like scare him or they like try to like scare him and like do all this stuff and you know they're all just going about their days and then you know as mentioned in the in the, the plot summary you know he we find him during also the shifting of the seasons in his own personal life where we catch like glimpses of um of his former life with his wife uh Kristen which I thought was so funny every time, like, this isn't really, like, spoilers, I guess, but, like, there's, like, a little thing with the dog where it, like, barks every time Kristen's name is mentioned, and it's so funny, like, <laughs> and he's, so Lucas is trying to get his son, Marcus, uh, he's trying to get custody of him, and, you know, we start off, like, already catching glimpses of the rocky relationship between Lucas and Kristen, yeah, there's still hope. Like, it, it, there's that tone that's weaving its way into the narrative when we embark on it. And, I don't know, I just thought that the reflection of the seasons changing 
along with Lucas's life. I it added a whole other layer to it where it did add to that down to earth factor as well as just the the quality of homeliness in a way. I was gonna say it's very pastoral, like modern day pastoral, like you don't see any extreme poverty, there's no homelessness. Everyone seems comfortable and like they're making a living doing whatever it is. Like Lucas is just the, he, he helps at the kindergarten. I think that's his profession. Mm-hmm. And he has enough to own a house or stay where you stay in. Everyone's, they're varying levels of wealth, but they're still above a certain threshold where it's like very idealized. Maybe not idealized, but like as a foreigner to Denmark, like if it's really like that in Denmark, that's pretty cool. Yeah, like <laughs> very sun, that's pretty nice. Sun, yeah. Dude, <laughs> those houses, like, whoa. That's, yeah, the, the, the doors, wealthy, like the curved door. Yeah. yeah. His wealthy friend has like a full like chateau looking, it's like a rectangular, but it's like very yeah. neoclassical. Like, oh, right. like a mansion. Yeah. <laughs> they have like property, like, dang. Like Lucas still has a damn nice house, but like compared to that house, it's, that house is nicer, but still, like, Luke's <laughs> is plenty comfortable where he's at. He's a second story, and mm-hmm. he lives alone and all that. It's like, oh, this is pretty impressive. And then it just, I think that helps, like you said, Kevin, to just heighten the dramas. Like, his drama is very personal with his family and everything. It just feels like there's no other problems in the society as a whole until the film progresses. Mm-hmm. He has his internal struggles, but he's not for want in any regard. It's just the visuals and the the fall visuals, especially. It's just also striking. It looks like a beautiful country. The meadows. Yes. When he's hunting. Yes. One thing that I also really enjoyed because I watched it and I had like my headphones on, like to get like a more immersive experience with it. And during like the hunting scene, like it was just so quiet. Like you could hear the faintest thing. Or, like, let's say, like, even just the wind rustling through, like, a little bit of leaves. It was just so eerie and haunting. And the score. Wow. <laughs> like, even during some of the sweeter moments, it had, like, this very creeping, haunting, underlying tone to it all. Where it was kind of saying, this is temporary. Um, or don't get too comfortable. Like, I don't know just added so many strange sentiments to the mix and indescribable feelings that really heightened the atmosphere of it all. Like, it made you... This movie felt a lot like Dogville for me. Like, it's crazy how... I feel like a lot of the movies yeah. we've been watching are like <laughs> deal with a lot of socio political stuff, which is cool. I, I I thought of Dogville as well, and I thought of um, Burning because there are also films about like discovering the truth and the morality of the situation. What can we do? And like, do we have enough to small towns? Yeah. See, I wanted to ask you guys. Like Dogville, there's a there's a hard line for me though between like what was happening on the screen mm-hmm. because of the experimental nature and the effect was like very novelized. I was like, oh, this is like, this isn't real at all. Whereas this film, like it, it just hits on another level. <laughs> yeah. Because they take the time to make it seem... Yeah, it's way more grounded. Yeah. 
like, yeah, when some upsetting happens in this film, I'm like, oh, this really hurts. When Dogville, there's, like, a wall of separation. I'm like, oh, this is just a movie. I get what it's yeah. saying, and I feel bad, but I don't feel as bad as something like this film. I was like, oh, I, I feel miserable now. <laughs> I think what's interesting, too, though, is that, like, even Thomas Vinterberg, him and Lars von Trier were part of the same film movement, Dogma 95, I think. Mm-hmm. So it's crazy that here we have, like, two different filmmakers are part of the same I mean who are kind of linked together somewhat and it's just two completely different interpretations of a similar set of themes and also in execution as well and I'm in agreement too this one felt all the more real and that's not to like discount Dogville or anything it's just in terms of applying it and relating it to my own experience and just like experiencing life it just hit on a whole other level where it's like there's this one moment that happens I won't like say it yet but when it gets to that point you just see the look on on Lucas's face and he's just like shit and then that pretty much sets it all in motion. It's just, it's like a countdown to dis- to doomsday. Ah, uh, well, should we get into the spoilers? Sure. Sure. Yeah. Let's uh, give our ratings, and then we can go right into more details. Our mind's quick. Four point five. Really good film. I don't even want to. We'll just talk about spoilers, and we'll talk about all the reasons we've talked already. Yep, I'm, I'll agree. I damn near want to give it a five. I'll give it a five because I was just like drawn in so easy. And yeah, it's just still like, I can still feel it, like the frustration. <laughs> and the... I'm going to give it a 4.5 as well. Uh, I'm hoping that, well, I'm going into this conversation, uh, you know, completely open minded and, uh, absolutely willing to change my rating if need be uh, <laughs> so yeah I'm excited to talk about it um let's see I don't know I'm kind of torn between a 4.5 and a 5 I've already seen this film at least two times before um maybe this third time since I already knew what was going to happen it kind of was more of a slower crawl for me for when things start to pick up and for when the conflict yeah, starts to kick in, and, um, but after that whole thing happens, everything is just so tense, and the drama just gets more dramatic, and all the relationships that are falling apart for him, man, that just hits you hard. Um, yeah, relationship with his son, and, you know, with his, uh, girlfriend, all, all that stuff was really great to me. Yeah, fuck it, I'll give it a five. So that being said, um, if you haven't seen this film yet, you can watch it on YouTube. You can rent it for, I don't know, three, four dollars. Uh, rent it on YouTube. Um, you can rent it on other platforms, I'm sure. It's definitely a must-see. Um, I mean, unanimous, unanimously, uh, we all give it at least a 4.5, so that's when you know you should probably watch it, and it's incredibly relevant and very timely. So that being said, let's jump right into it.
So, this whole thing starts because, well, I mean, it was, it's his best friend's daughter, and... Yeah, Theo and Clara. Mm-hmm. So it's Theo and Clara's daughter. Um, oh, wait, no, Clara's the daughter. Yeah, yeah. Oh, not Clara, I'm sorry. Uh, yeah, Theo's the father. Um, and Clara is the little girl whom... Uh, he kind of almost has like a like a godfather like relationship with, um, where uh, he's like supporting her and he's there for her and she's a very imaginative imaginative girl is what her parents uh, say about her and even like her teacher and it's frustrating because he is trying to be like a good person and be there for her. But since she's a child, she doesn't really know any better. And and children can be are much more exposed nowadays um, to things that they wouldn't have been exposed to had they grown up like 30, 20 years ago. And I think the film does a great job of slipping that in there, especially in like a couple of the scenes where Clara's by herself and um, these other like kids in the household are like watching something inappropriate and something as small as that already seeps into her mind and the fact that it just never gets touched upon again was man just it's so heartbreaking it's disheartening like to see that because like what a character says later on in the film like children never lie you know I, just, I believe the children first. It's just like... I was a kid once. I definitely lied. I have a baby cousin. She definitely lies. I don't know what you're talking about, but you can't idealize children either. Yeah, I, I think... That yeah. character was very clearly passed in the book. They felt they felt like one of the... That was great though, right? The yeah, teenager? that felt like one of the villains for sure. Like You can understand her perspective, but she's very much... There's like subtle things. I think she's the official teacher of the school right. that Mads or Lucas works at. And I think she's even introduced like with Mads carrying the kids in. He's being very endearing. And then one of them's like, I got to go to the bathroom. I got to go to number two. And she immediately is like, well, Lucas, take care of him. Like, go do, be sure they take off their jackets and be sure he takes a shit. And then later on in the film, she's very prone to just like, it's Lucas. It's not, yeah, like, He's a monster. He did this. I'm not responsible at all. It's very much Lucas. He's a, he's the guy. I believe the kids. The kids will lie. He's like, oh yeah, but he was in the bathroom. And it's like, dude, like it's like, oh my god, <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> she felt like you can, but even that, even her, she feels like one of the most antagonistic forces. Even though not antagonist, but like she seems like the most in the wrong. She tried to like conduct her own investigation yeah, for like she, five days or however long it was. She calls up, who is it? It's like a local community member. I think yeah. Worked yeah. In the superstore or the supermarket. She calls him in and like, oh, do your own. 
yeah. investigation, and then he leads the he leads Clara on. Well, I guess we haven't we haven't said what what uh, oh yes, yes. what Clara. Yeah. So, like, I think that when we start off in the movie, um, Lucas is of course going through this whole custody battle for Marcus. And he's, you know, living his life at this uh, center, you know, helping out with the children and stuff. And, like, we, we catch glimpses into Clara's, like, his, Lucas's best friends, Theo's family, their daughter, Clara, who's going through clear negligence because, like, her parents aren't paying attention to her. Like, they're either fighting or they're, like, always doing other things. So, like, Clara has, like, a tendency to go off on her own. And she's also has, she, I feel like she has a like clear set of like, um, neuroses as well, because like she has like an issue where she can't like walk, uh, over lines or certain patterns. And I find, I found that to be just so revealing as to like how she's struggling to make sense of her inner world and her outer world. And clearly she's not getting the guidance that she's yearning for. But, and Lucas can catch that because, you know, he does pay attention. And so he tries like helping her through. He's like, oh, like, did you get lost again? Let's go back to your house. I'll walk you there. Or, um, he calls out to Theo and lets him know like, hey, uh, you know, your daughter's missing. Like I found her right here. I can take her to the center. And then like, everyone is just always like, yes, go take care of it. Like how you mentioned earlier with Greta, like Mm -hmm. saying, oh, go to the bathroom and help them. Like. Everyone is just so clearly wanting to, as you said, like, pass the buck and stuff. Like, and, I don't know. I I think that um, with Lucas's relationship with Clara, like, she ends up idealizing him in a very romantic way as well, which is is very troublesome for, for Lucas because he is very well aware of what that entails and, like, he's completely against it. For instance, she ends up making him uh, a, a heart during uh, arts and crafts, and right as she's like writing his name on it, or she's like, that's when you can tell that something something's afoot. And then, you know, there is that one scene where Lucas is playing with all the boys, and you know they're like dogpiling, like hitting each other with like pillows and stuff. And then like Clara ends up, you know getting happy about this and then she like jumps on Lucas and ends up kissing him and then that automatically there's a immediate shift in the tone because he completely stops putting on this fun demeanor and immediately sets it back into place like I when I first watched it I was thinking wow how the hell are they going to handle this or how how is he going to deal with this like and it was so great to see somebody with like such a strong moral compass and such conviction be like, no, I'm going to, I'm going to fix this right now. And he like pulls her aside. He's like, Hey, like you can't be doing that stuff. Like, I think that you should give this heart to like one of the other students in the class. And, you know, kissing is only for, you know, between um, parents and or adults and stuff. Like you should not be just doing that. And Throughout the entire movie, like, when the accusations get made by Greta and stuff, I thought it was so... I don't know. Like, I want to know what you guys thought about how Lucas handled it himself. Like... I was so... Like, even that scene when she kisses him, 
I think even in like this modern day and age, it's definitely something you probably should tell like Greta, we're like, hey, like, or the parents, like your daughter, like, kiss me, try to kiss me on lips. Mm-hmm. And then when he gets accused, he's just like, like, I remember like, just thinking like, if I was ever accused of what he was accused of, basically like, so she says, Clara says that he basically showed his, his like genitalia to mm-hmm. her and had like an erection. <laughs> Mm-hmm. And then, so, Greta says that to him, what she said, and, or he doesn't tell that it was Clara. She doesn't tell Mads that it was Clara. And then, he just is like, shit, that's all he says is shit. And it's like, what? Like, how would you not outright deny that, like, immediately? He just says it, he just is, like, so, like, calm and, I guess, humble. He's just, like, too nice to where he doesn't even, he doesn't get, like, agitated by it at all. He's just, like... I think he's so confident that people like him that he thinks it's fine. And I think it backfired on him, yeah. clearly. I, I think he just didn't know the how extreme the situation was. Um, well, I mean, yeah, because she mentioned, like, oh, uh, some, you know, one of the kids said they saw you. Um, so it could have been anything, right? He could have not even been paying, or I don't know. Like, like what Patrick brought up earlier, like, he takes one of the kids to the bathroom to help him you know, do the number two or whatever. Um, but I don't know, I can tell just, like, in the acting and in the performance, like, what is he going to say? Like, even if he did tell, like, a parent or Theo or whatever, like, oh, your daughter kissed me, I, I'm pretty sure there would be less flame on the daughter and they would actually fan the, fl- fan the flames even more so, and that would give more evidence to make him guilty. And, um, and, and it was kind of, like, a more of an innocent thing, and, you know, she just smooched him, but that's it. It's like, you know, and he was trying to have a conversation with her, like, hey, um, only you, leave, you only do that for your parents, you know? And then with the heart thing, like, you can't, you should either give that to your mother or some other boy, you know? And I think he tried to handle it his own way. Probably, most likely, didn't even think anything was going to yeah. come from that. Because it was just something, it was something so innocent and wholesome. It wasn't anything explicit at all. Yeah, because he, like, he's so close with their family. Like, mm-hmm. him and Theo are, like, best friends, like, from who knows how long. Yeah. So I do understand, like, his reaction, but also, like, uh, I mean, he doesn't know the whole context, and if he just outrights become extremely defense, you know, um, hostile about it, or just got really defensive that could just make his situation even worse well i would so think we really uh yeah i get what you i was thinking that too it's like you can't like you know go ballistic and freak out but like you definitely can deny it without getting like you know frustrated i think that's part yeah. of his like martyrdom aspect of his character yeah. he's such a good dude where he's like oh the the system will take care of this or like yeah yeah, like, someone's saying I showed him this, but this sounds like a kid may have been abused, and he, he we need to investigate. I think this. he's more concerned about the kid, yeah, yeah like, than we'll find out himself. Who's, yeah, who's really talking about her, or even just he, he's aware of the weight of it. He's I can't deny it. Obviously, hopefully they're going to have a social worker come in mm-hmm. and do the proper investigation, and and that scene too with the. Was he even a social worker? The guy? No, he's like some. Wasn't he like a former? He basically yeah. like frames like it all in Clara's head. He's like, "Is this what happened?" And yeah, so, yeah. That's that's what frustrated me was the whole all these suggestive words. Like, yeah, 
all Clara said was, oh, I saw it pointing. And it's just like, okay. He's like, did I, white stuff come out? I know. Oh, I'm my. Like, Are you yeah. fucking kidding me? Like, what? Yeah, How do you jump to that? He's literally planting the seeds. Yeah. And, like, creating such a... It's like a, a five-year-old. They can't even, like, process that. No, they have people trained on how to, like, talk to kids about stuff like that. Right. <laughs> and obviously he's not trained because that's something inappropriate to even mention because... Yeah, it wasn't even... They weren't, they weren't even being... It wasn't even, like... I don't know, man. I want to say it was a former policeman because he like he interrogates Clara like there's such an adversary role of how he's approaching Clara where it's like very much like are you telling me the truth or are you lying did you do this did you do this and she's being she's a six-year-old kid of course and he's an authority figure yes yes of course yes totally she just wanted yeah. to go outside to play yeah yeah she's like fuck it I'll say yeah so I can go out and like go to recess that scene was so brilliantly shot too like it was very claustrophobic like the way that they were even framing clara like it was like looking down upon her and also the extreme closeness of it where it's like she's being viewed under like a microscope like i want to praise that actress like holy shit that was like yeah that's incredible acting and even just the chemistry between all three of them during that scene but like no i i completely agree like there, there were literally, like, the narrative was being molded as it went on. And even when she tried to admit that she had made, like, a like a silly lie, they immediately were like, no, it's okay, we know something happened. Mm-hmm. And she's like, oh, wait, did something actually happen? Like, she doesn't know. Right. And so that's the thing that... I loved most about this movie. It's like it blurred the line between fact and fiction so well that like even during like certain times like I was like wait, what what's actually happening right now? Like what if this is all just, you know, what if we can't really rely on the perspective that we're being shown right now? But at the same time like there's that wonderful scene, like, between Lucas and, is it, uh, I forget his girlfriend's name. Oh, oh Nadia. 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 Mm-hmm. Yeah, Nadia. Yeah, Nadia. And, like, she's like, oh, we know, uh, Clara shows up to Lucas's house, and she's, like, basically showing, like, all this remorse and being like, hey, um, is your dog Fanny here? Like, can I walk her? After all this, after all the accusations have been made... Like, she's just wanting for things to go back to normal. And Lucas is such a, such a stand-up person that he's like, oh, no, like, maybe some other time. Um, do your parents know you're here? Like, you should probably, like, go back home. And then, um, and then, like, just hearing about how all the other students are now saying the same exact thing. Mm-hmm. And just seeing how it's all spiraling out of control, yet he still decides to have faith in the system. But then, like, Nadia's, like, afterwards, like, hey, uh, did you, did you touch her? Like, did you actually do all these things? He's like, what the fuck are you talking about? Like, no! Are you a sick person? He's like, oh, hold on. Yeah. Like, yeah. He, what, what do you, what I do you don't even think, think that in that scene, that was another time when I was, like, frustrated with the way he was responding. He didn't, I don't think he even said no once when he, when she asked if she touched him. He just was, like... I get it from his standpoint because the whole town is turning against him and the one person that he has is his girlfriend and his dog and his girlfriend is now questioning him 
but he doesn't even deny it. He's just like, do you think I'm a sick person? Do you think I'm a sick person? That's all he says. I'm pretty sure that's all he says. And then he kicks her out. Yeah. But you can, you can empathize with his viewpoint of like, it's not even worth denying it. It's not even yeah. worth getting into the back and forth. Like, it's like, because that's how it knows him. So it's like, why, why do I need to so I know I'm going to tell you. Yeah, you guys know me. Like, you tell me, like, do you think I'm actually this person? You know me, right? So yeah. it's like, you start to believe the lies just because everyone else is trying to convince you that you are. Yeah. So the person that's closest to you, like, you would think they would trust you and believe you. But when she starts to ask, that already kind of fractures your trust. Yeah, like, there's a, a very interesting, I mean, the, the same day where Lucas gets put on leave, and he ends up, um, you know, heading out early for the day, and then he goes back home, and he's with Nadia, and he's, he's like, hey, I probably should have mentioned this earlier to you, but, um, like, I just found out about it. But, you know, there's some rumors that are going around saying that, like, I exposed myself to students. And then her first remark is, how is that even possible? She laughs. Yeah. And she's <laughs> like, what? Like, are you crazy? Like, who's saying this? And he's like, I don't know how it is. Like, he's like, yeah, it's not possible. Like, you see me. Like, I'm always, like... And then, um, even, like, later on where Nadja gets brought into the the meeting that's going on between all the people who work there... <laughs> Like, it, and she's, like, she can clearly tell that, like, people are, like, plotting. They're all, like, just decided. Yeah. Like, the lines are drawn. Yeah. And she's, like, oh, and they're, like, either you're with us or you're against us. That's why I think Lucas doesn't even bother. Because he knows if he sees the lines are being drawn. Like, it's futile. And he knows if he puts himself amongst the lines, it's very, it's already, right now it's just, yeah. right now it's him saying, I'm me. I'm not capable of that. How could you guys think that of me? And they're saying, you did it. If he says, I didn't do it, now the debate's just the town of people against him saying, oh, you did it, you didn't do it, they outnumber him. It doesn't matter. Where he's saying, no, the truth is this. I'm not going to say it. I'm not going to deny it. The truth is the truth. I don't need to deny anything. Because, like, yeah, like the truth will I, reveal itself. I think we've all been there where someone has accused you of something and then you either, like, deny it or you just straight up laugh or you're like, really? That's, that's stupid. Why would you ask that? And I've definitely been there before where someone accused me of something and I just laughed. I'm like, what? And then they're like, oh, so that means you're lying. And I'm like, no, I'm laughing because that's so stupid. And they're like, so how about you tell me the truth? I'm like, I'm telling you the truth. You know, like, sometimes you laugh because you're either nervous or anxious or you just think it's so ridiculous that it's not even, like... A thing. I, I don't know. Like, yeah. am I... No. Like, have you guys been there before? Or you're just like, what? Why well, I feel like... I have, but, like, never anything of this magnitude. Oh, right, right. right. <laughs> so, but, like, just for any situation where you're like, yeah, okay, just, that's just so stupid. Like, I'll just, like, deny or be like, yeah, like, what? Like... See, I, I had a moment similar to the... I think it's when Mads gets leave and he goes to confront Greta, I think. And, like, she cowered asleep. She just, like, goes out she's, the She's, like, running to the kids and running away from them on the playground. And he's just, like, walking out. Like, no, 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 I want to talk about this. Like, what are you talking about? I've been in those situations where someone said this. I'm like, hold on. I want to talk about this. And they're very much like, no, 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 no. It's the way I said it is, and that's the way it is. And then they're trying to remove themselves from the even the debate. Where I, I can feel the first, like, I think Lucas does a lot of the shifting, like, I think he expertly pushes when he needs to. 
does it when he doesn't need to. And he's not even doing it as a calculated way. He's just being himself. And that's why we see a lot of what happens. Like it, it builds more. Maybe he could have been more proactive and like plead, pled the fifth. I don't know if they have that or got a lawyer right away. But that just make him look guilty. But it's just so hard to like sit there and debate. Like, how would you get out of that situation? It's like, it's just first off, like the cause of trying to get out of it <laughs> implies guilt. Yeah. Versus just being yourself. Yeah, I think that although he handled it, I mean, although he didn't make, like, a very strong case for himself when it came to, like, accusations and even, like, denying it, like, I, I do recognize the the losing nature of that battle. Because it's, like... Yeah, it's, like, it's so easy to just accept defeat, you know? Mm-hmm. And it's, like, what can you do? It's, like, all you have to do is let whatever system in, is in place, like, run its course. Like, all you have to... I mean, that's literally all you can do is wait. Is wait for time to, to run its course, and for the truth to reveal itself. And then that, the film does do that. Where Marcus shows up, <sighs> Nadia leaves his yeah. girlfriend. Mm-hmm. She pieces out on their big fight about. Well, he. Uh, oh yeah, he kicks he her. Kicks her yeah. yeah, he basically shoves her out the door. <laughs> and that, and they, I think that's also a very touchy and sensitive situation where like he literally was like grabbing her and pushing her out and. People can see as like, oh well, he's a bad guy, and he did that. But like, that might not have been the best solution for him at the time. But like the way he handled it, yeah, it definitely didn't look good. But I can see, I can feel his frustration and thinking like, you know what, you might as well just leave because you already, you're already picking a side, and everyone, yeah, is against him. Even his own friends, even that big tall guy. Um, the one that he was um, hanging out with at the very beginning of the film. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he was, like, pushing him out, too. And it's just like, dang, like, what can you do when even your best friend doesn't even know you like that, like, to to deny it for you and to defend you? Um, so I can feel, like, the anger and the frustration. Like, even if he said no, like, then what? Everyone already made up their minds. There's a kind of, it's a kind of sick, like, Mystic River vibe from Theo and Anya's relationship, like, they're Clara's mother. Like, once the accusation comes out, they're suddenly, it feels like the relationship is kind of mended, where, like, now they're so more, they're so much more aware of their daughter, Clara, who they've been neglecting throughout the film, and the brother's, like, He's getting teared up and like, no, you're the one who showed her inappropriate material that put these thoughts in her head. You exposed the six-year-old to pornographic images. Mm-hmm. Even if you thought it was humorous, it has like a severe effect on a child. And then he's getting teared up and like, oh, poor Clara, you're abused. And like the shift for Clara must have been like so detrimental to see that. Like, cause the film, we only see aspect of it where like, they're spending Christmas more time together. They're doting over her a bit. And like yeah. to her, it must feel like it's such a sudden shift where she loses Lucas's relationship, friendship. But now it feels like her family's coming together around her, but she doesn't, I think she, even she can tell it's like phony or it's yeah. a front. Mm-hmm. And that's why she reaches out to Lucas again. Like, no, you're my good friend always. And it just makes the film fucking hurt. Yeah, so you much. feel bad for her because 
you can tell that she's aware of the things that she said and that how that's affecting her parents' relationship with Lucas. And, like, she just wants to see Fanny and, like, to walk his dog because she wants to feel, like, closer to, um, you know, to that uh, aspect of their relationship. Or even just, like, normalcy. Yeah. There's a moment when she, when Clara, like, recants everything that she accused Lucas of to her mom and, like, her mom is so, like, so, like I, wanna, I don't want to say, like, that, like, terribly neg- neg- negligent, but she literally says, like, I lied, and none of that happened. And her mom is just like, oh, no, it's okay. Like, maybe you just chose to, like, forget about it or, you know, like, erase it from your mind. Where it's like, maybe if you knew your daughter more, like or hung out with her more, you would know that sometimes she lies or whatever. So. Or that she's very imaginative and she, yeah. Because right. even, even... Or at least give it some thought if that's like your god, god, like the godfather of your child or your husband's best friend, you know? Yeah. It's I mean, so, it's tough though too. I get it. Yeah. I mean, it's, I don't have a kid, but I'm sure as a parent that's also... A, I, I think that all their reactions are still justifiable because, like, you know, the whole town had a meeting and, like, oh, these are all the signs that you have to watch out for. You know, they could lie or they can just not remember or they can have dreams and nightmares. And then also, like, when it comes to um, abuse, abuse usually happens to people who... who um, It happens, like, from either, like, their family member or someone really close. Mm-hmm. So, like, they... I think they also have to take that into consideration. So, like, I can see why she would still be adamant about it, saying, oh, no, you probably forgot, or, like... But, yeah, like you said, like, if she was there for her daughter, or she, like, knew her daughter, or, like, been around for her, then, yeah, that probably wouldn't have happened. Yeah. I think, yeah, it's just... Yeah, it's one of those things, like, I think Greta, the teacher, has the guy come in and grill... Carla? Before the parents are notified, yeah, there's just yeah, like, like, yeah, there's. I don't think that's like legal. At all. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, yeah, this is definitely a police matter. Not even that, but then she, <laughs> she's like, like yeah. oh, we don't need to cancel the like parent teacher meeting tonight. Let's just like tell them all. Like, yeah, that's like the most wrong way to go about something. <laughs> <laughs> Before like the police have even been involved. There's a lot of well mean. There's a lot of well meaning stuff, especially the severity of the crime being accused accusations are being made like like no you need and it's completely understandable that they're so like Clara could be feeling like denial she could be subconsciously like pushing back if that did happen so it makes sense for the mother to be like oh no you're just you just want to tell yourself it didn't happen or like you you don't think it happened but it did happen it's alright that it happened too she's trying to be supportive but it's like early on in the film the groundwork and the societal prejudices laid on the foundation where the truth can't come out. And that's one of those, that's one of those things thinking back, or like as a parent, like, Oh yeah, we had a guy come in and talk to your daughter about this. I was like, hold on. Right. <laughs> why would, why didn't you call me in? Why can't I talk yeah. to my kid about this? <laughs> I would have came in and asked her those questions, but you don't need to call a dude from the supermarket. <laughs> you come in here and give my daughter the third degree. But it's so in hindsight. And because we have the perspective of the, viewer we, we see the truth that we get to know i think though even if 
you know, like from a perspective of a parent, even if I thought that like Lucas had did it, I think I would still be mad that oh, my yeah. child's kindergarten teacher brought somebody in to talk to my daughter without even telling me first. Yeah. You know, you call yeah. So like, what else are you doing? Yeah, I don't know what's like, what? <laughs> yeah, there needs to be, you know, that consent there. Like, she literally has no idea what's going on, and she's being interrogated or grilled or whatever. Yeah. It's just like, you need to have your parent there. Yeah, like, like, oh, yeah, there's, there's accusations against Lucas. I had my friend from the supermarket come in and talk to him. It's like, just like, hold on. <laughs> it's like a <laughs> real stand-up guy. Like, like, he's the manager phone. there. Yes. <laughs> My thing is that, like, it seems like that incident would be all the more traumatizing to a child, you know, with, you know, by just amplifying it and, like, creating that narrative that you, I think what, what ended up happening is that, like, here you have, like, this well-meaning town, and then they're hit with, like, this very serious accusation that's, like, spreading throughout there, and it's, like, as mentioned earlier, it's like all the reactions are justified. Like I totally get it. Like when, when an accusation is made like that, like you need to look into it because it's like, I don't know. It's, it's just a part of like your civil duty of vigilance. And I, I feel like everyone was just so unprepared and so ill-equipped to handle it that it just ended up creating this massive wildfire that just scorched everything in its wake. And I don't know. I thought it was just so incredible that we get to see the aftermath of it all too. And seeing how, how everything plays out. And even like a year later, seeing the remnants of like the, of just the, the debris and everything like the stains and, I don't know, just a sign of what was once there, and now they have to, like, grow with and move past altogether. Like, a a definitive hysteria sets in, where when the police later do acquit Lucas of the accusations, like, they're unfounded, there's nothing to base it on. Yeah, because they find out, like, he doesn't have a basement or he doesn't have any of the things that the other children are accusing him of. No, he has a great line where I think it's the godfather of Marcus. Brun. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's totally fucking with him. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, when well, he's describing, like, yeah, they had all the kids in the class share the same story of the basement. They all know the color of the couch. They know the color of the carpet and the wall. They said he did the same thing to all of them. And then, like, yeah, but there's no basement. There's no couch. There's no carpet. There's no wall. None of that happened. So the law is probably not going to punish Lucas because it seems like it's based on nothing, which it is. We know as the audience. Mm-hmm. So that gives like hope to Marcus after his interaction at the grocery market. Fuck that place. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck that place. Yeah. Hard. When, oh my gosh. Yeah, you can when, tell that that's clearly the only supermarket in the mm-hmm. town yeah. and they get exiled from when, it. When Marcus comes in, oh man, I... I loved his character. Marcus too. is like the one of the unsung heroes of this story because he actually believes his dad and there's not even a moment where like he was thinking he was guilty like he's like how can everyone say this about my father that's not true marcus is a great he's a great like parallel for the audience but he goes definitely too far i think he's like a cautionary thing for us as right. viewers like don't because we know the truth don't get so 
Easy to deny such serious accusations. He's doing everything that we kind of wished Lucas was doing. I were like, we kind of want to do that. We kind of want to go yell in their face, like, fuck you. He's like the shadow side of Lucas. Yeah. And he's still learning how to reel it in. Yeah, he's doing everything we're, like, kind of hoping Lucas had done. <laughs> like, where he like, punches that. I hated the big guy. Yeah. Like, oh, the really big, big guy. Big old six yeah. five guy. Oh, yeah. 15 year olds give me a lip, I'll smack him around. Like, okay, yeah. big fucking dude. <laughs> yeah. And, like, he just takes it upon himself to be, like, the local law enforcement agent. Like, yeah. of, like imparting his justice on both Lucas and Marcus and, like, I don't know. Fuck that guy. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, well, I was saying, with, with Marcus, he's great, but there's that one scene where he does go to Theo's house to talk to Clara about why she's saying his dad did that. Oh, yeah, my gosh. And, yeah. Man, that was a little far. And he lashes. I, yeah, I think that's like the He's big, like running at Clara like, why are you fucking lying? And then he spits on her. Spits oh, in her face. Yeah, it's yeah. like, oh, Jesus. Damn, that'll was... get you slapped around for sure. Yeah, no, yeah, but like before then, the six five guys coming over to the fifteen year old and like, "Hey, man, watch your fucking tone." It's like, <laughs> yeah, it's just such like, oh, you're 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 a vigilante of the people now that you feel the need that you believe someone's been victimized. Now you're ready to, to throw your weight around instead of being a watchdog of the over the innocent and all other stuff. Where Lucas feels like that, he feels like he cares a great deal for the kids. He's so endearing to them and all the other stuff. Yeah, it's so... Yeah, what I love about this film is just the, the acting from the... Yeah, from Clara, who's Annika Wittercup, and Lars Fogelstrom, who plays Marcus. Just, mm-hmm. like, the... Just the performances, man, from all around, from everyone. The fact that they got really good young actors to do that as well, like... Damn. Is that poor? Like, I, I think Marcus's part was my favorite like, role in the entire movie, just because it was so... I don't know, because you're... He came in in, like, the final third of the film, I want to say. Or, like, some, I think midway. At least, at least over halfway. Yeah, for before sure. the acquittal. Right before the acquittal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, like, it comes at, like, the most tense time of, like, you know, you have, like, all these people who are, you know, taking, all, taking up their own reins to, you know, distribute their version of justice onto Lucas outside of outside of uh, local law enforcement. Yeah. Like, you have people, like, smashing his windows and, like, even later on, like, beating him up and then even murdering his dog. Like, yeah. Oh, man, that was, like, one of the worst parts. I hated it, that. Yeah, that yeah, was just tough. dog. As soon as it threw the rock through the window, I was like, I, I, I knew it. I was like, yeah, it's, they killed his dog. <laughs> See, I, I, I do admire the martyrdom of Lucas and that like the law the law's acquitted him he's, he's innocent in the eyes of the law the society as a whole views him as evil and he's gonna be punished for it where he does I think when Fanny has killed his dog he's like that, that part hurt the watch but he's like I think after that he sends Marcus away mm-hmm. no he sends Marcus away right? and then and then he buries his dog yeah where it's like very much like he's aware that he's been deemed guilty and despite being innocent so he's such he's such a caring, daring dude that he's like, okay, my son can't be around for this. He's going to get the same treatment. Mm-hmm. I got to send him back, even though we come in at the start of the film. That's like his biggest concern at that moment in the world is getting custody of his son. Where he's he has the wherewithal to know, like, okay, it's not good for him to be here. I I thought that this movie was like, 
I don't usually see a lot of movies that deal with fatherhood. Um, definitely more so motherhood than fatherhood. Uh, and even even positive, <laughs> like a positive role model in terms of um, being a father and raising children. Like, I, I hardly ever see that. And it was very endearing to see such a loving, gentle father tend to his child. For instance, even, like, once we, you know, once it's revealed that Fanny was killed, like, she's underneath the tarp on that, on that day where the rock was tossed in, and, like, uh, he goes out to check on it, and he tells Marcus to, like, stay in, stay in the house. Even when Marcus comes out and wants to see it, Lucas is still trying to get him to not look at it. But he recognizes that at, at a certain point, Marcus is going to see it regardless of what Lucas says, and he's not going to try and stop him. Because he knows that, like, ultimately if Marcus feels like he's ready to see the harsh realities of, of what the world is capable of delivering to you, then that's like a, almost like a transition into manhood for him. Because it is important to see that those things as opposed to trying to sweep them under the rug. Because that's the cold reality of the situation. And Lucas is like a prime example of weathering the storm and doing all that you can to make it through to the other side. I just found that to be so reaffirming in in the set of, like, his own conviction towards the truth. He knows that, like, he will outlast these trying times, and he wants to be, like, a positive role model for his son to calm him down because Marcus is volatile. He is quick to get angry. He is quick to lash out, and he wants to show him that there's much more strength in just being kind and being gentle as opposed to displaying it in, through violence. Yeah, I was gonna, you brought that up really well, that there's not a lot of films like that with a father figure who's not, is it toxic masculinity? It's not, he's not a Logan character going out and killing dudes for his cubs mm-hmm. type deal situation. The film's very much against that, it seems, with Theo's character being more of that role. Of like, oh, if I find out you hurt my daughter, I'll put a bullet in your head, and where Theo's... He seems like more of a conviction-based father figure that fills the voids, like you said. Yeah, that actor that plays Theo was fantastic as well. Mm -hmm. Uh, Thomas Bo Larson. He was so good. Like, you can understand his dilemma. Because he grew up with Lucas... You know, they grew up together. He was talking about how, like, they used to do... They used to have all these shenanigans. They were, like, in these um, uh, extracurricular activities growing up. And you see all the photos of them, of uh, Lucas when he was younger. And I didn't know this, but I didn't know that uh, uh, Matt Mickelson was um, a dancer. And, and he was an athlete growing up. So, yeah, I can definitely see that um, from him. Um, but yeah, the, the actor that plays Theo is fantastic in this movie as well. Um, I, I love the, the transition in the movie though, when, like, oh, you no, before the transition, I like that you brought up that, yeah, Lucas doesn't display, like, toxic masculinity, he isn't a 
hard head. He is a, a gentle person. And you can see that in his relationship with um, Naja. And he goes into a relationship slowly. Like, she's the one who asserts, his, asserts herself towards him. And I like that, like, b language barrier that they have where she'll speak English and then she'll speak, um, uh, yeah, um, their native tongue and, like, she'll go back and forth because she's, like, kind of a, a fish out of water in a sense. And, yeah, they're, like, the transition where she's there and then she gets kicked out and then we have Marcus and then we follow Marcus for a while and then we don't see Lucas for, like, 10, 15 minutes. So that was very interesting to like follow Marcus for a while and see how he deals with the situation. And Which is, it shows yeah. like the tribalism too. At least you Marcus is somehow guilty for being the son of Lucas who's accused of these things. It's like, yeah, you're not allowed to shop here anymore, neither is your father. That's one of those things like Marcus is still kind of a kid too. <laughs> you're you're yeah. So you're gonna let him starve? Or you're just, yeah, you're just, you're ostracizing a kid now because, I don't know, it's, it's very upsetting. <laughs> but that supermarket scene, too, I think... The second one? I think we all agree, like, <laughs> that's probably, like, one of the best parts of the movie. Mm -hmm. I think that was finally when uh, Lucas was like, alright, fuck being humble and, like, the nice guy, like, he was just like, Screw it, these guys will either beat the shit out of me or I'll get one good shot in. Well, in the way, he's still being the nice guy, I think. He just wants his groceries. Yeah. He's going in. When he first gets punched by the guy, he's, he's like, why, why are you hitting me? Why do you get to hit me? What, what the hell? Yeah. Why do you get to hit people like that? What did I do? Man, he's like, get sued for that. I just like that. I love that he headbutted him and then proceeded to pay for his groceries. <laughs> yeah, no, he's still, for he's still bleeding. Yeah, and has a fucking gash on his head. No, this brings up a very good point though, because like even as he's leaving the grocery store, this is like when we finally get to check back in with Theo, um, Clara, and is it Agnes? Agnes. Uh, Agnes. Um, and they're they're sitting in their car like they just arrived at the grocery store, and. Agnes is like the one who's who's completely dead set against Lucas being acquitted. She's like, "Oh no, no, let's just wait. Let's just wait until he leaves." And Theo's like, "No, like, look at him. He he's bleeding." Like, yeah. And and then like Clara makes like this very oh, it, was, it was such a sad remark. She's like, "Oh, where's Fanny?" And you could just see it on Lucas's face, like just all the troubles that he's like been faced with and how he has nothing like everything's been stripped away from him he brought up a point where we don't see who killed fanny but i'm convinced that Agnes is somehow correlated to fanny being killed because mm -hmm. she takes like a full five seconds after clara asks like where's fanny I, I don't know. <laughs> it's like, she, maybe she heard that someone poisoned his dog and she's trying to hide that from her daughter, but I took it as like, she knows like maybe her friend or maybe one of the supermarket guys. Like, oh yeah, we totally poisoned his dog. Mm -hmm. We got back at him for you. Anya, don't worry. And she's like, sweet, that's awesome. And then Clara's sitting there like, oh, where, where's the puppy? Oh shit. <laughs> yeah, and like Theo, you can tell Theo does not know. No, yeah, no, yeah. Theo just, he, well, he wants to go out and talk to him, like, he feels bad. I feel like I have a different opinion on that. 
like I think Theo was aware because we when we get to towards pretty much the end of the film when Lucas goes to see the um, them perform and he turns around and he looks straight at um, Theo's eyes. The scene, the oh. shot of the movie, the movie poster. Because the reason why I feel like Theo is aware because when he keeps when he keeps staring at him and then um, they're gossiping about him at the same time. He walks up to him and he was like, "Leave me alone." He was telling Theo that like, "You leave me alone," because Theo hasn't like left him alone. He's still a part of like that gossip. And whether or not he actually did the execution, I think he was aware of it in some way. Yeah. Like, there's no way that. He was absolutely shocked or surprised that something happened to Fanny. But I mean, I think, you know, I mean, you probably like, bring up a good theory about that. No, I, I think you're, that's, that's a very good point. Like, although he might not have like had a hand in it, he certainly didn't prevent it from happening. Like all of these things that could have happened, like, I mean, we get like a very brief, um, I mean, there, there's the opportunity to actually I guess think it through clearly during their first interaction where Lucas goes to Theo's house and tries to sit down and talk with him about it. Mm-hmm. But then like, as we sit there with them through this conversation, Theo just ends up blowing up. Had, been, had he been drinking? Maybe, but I, I know that his wife comes in yeah. and definitely <coughs> exit on. She's like, no, get him off the couch. Like, why is he sitting there? Like, get him out of here. And then which, completely shifts the way that Theo was handling the situation. And then, like, that scene in the church where he's just sitting there taking the beating from Lucas. Like, he gets a freaking Bible thrown at his head. And, like, everyone is just sitting there watching because they all know that they were in the wrong. I, yeah, I think that the, that scene where they look at each other, that's the whole, like, Theo's aware that anything... Like, he, I don't think he killed Fanny at all, but he's fully aware that he's the origin of the town's anger towards Lucas. If Theo had been more, not even accepting or like if he had been patient for the investigation, the town would have gotten as hysterical and hard set in their belief of his guilt. Or even proactive. And after he was acquitted being like, Hey, like oh, yeah. even addressing, cause you know that this is a point of conversation throughout the entire, the entire town. Um, for instance, like, oh, you know, like, there, he, like, goes to the supermarket, and then, like, people are talking, like, hey, you know, like, uh, yada, 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 about, like, Lucas. He could have been, like, well, hold on, like, let me stop you right there, like, he was acquitted, like, had he felt that sort of initiative, he could have curbed some of the backlash afterwards, but he didn't. Or just, I think, after the church scene, when he does realize that Lucas is telling the truth, he does, he does take the punches, because Lucas confronts him, and is like, like, you, you looked in my eyes, you know there's nothing there, you know I'm innocent, leave me alone, tell them to leave me alone. Like, you leave me alone, it's gonna make them leave me alone, is what Lucas thinks. But then Theo is proactive, where I think, what you're saying, where if Theo was just to re-accept Lucas as friends, I think the town would have been more welcoming, like we see later in the film. Mm-hmm. Because they do gossip of, like, Lucas and Theo grew up together, they're best friends. The fact that Theo no longer wants to have anything to do with Lucas, like, also creates a case against Lucas and his guilt. We're like, oh, they're no longer friends anymore. They, Theo must hate Lucas now, so Lucas must be guilty. Yeah, I think that the whole that whole church scene was a really good callback to the beginning of the film when um, Theo asks Lucas about his relationship with Kristen. 
and how that was coming along. And he was like, oh, yeah, it's, 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 it's okay. And then he's like, I can tell when you're lying. You do this thing with your eyes when you lie. And that was a great callback because he looks into his eyes at the church. And you can tell, like, he knows when he's lying. He, they're best friends. They grew up together. Like, He's probably, like, never looked at him like that ever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I thought that was a great, like... Oh, he hits him with the yeah. stare, like, three different times. Just yeah. Like, oh. And, no, yeah, and then yeah, immediately Agnes is whispering in his ear. Like, we don't even hear what she's saying. But, like, Theo's sitting there and... So he looks, he makes the eye contact, and there's, like, a shift downwards. And you can see the actor does an amazing job of, like... It suddenly hits him that he's been blinded by the severity of the accusations to... That he's cast Lucas away, and Lucas is a great guy... And he has, like, immediate guilt, and he's, like, looking down, and he's, like... Doesn't he say something when he leans back uh, to his wife about, like, oh, it's wrong? Or, look at his eyes. Mm-hmm. Or it's, like, oh, shit, look at his eyes. And then the wife's immediately, like, whispering in his ear. And that's where Lucas gets up of, like, no, no, no. I, I got through to him. He knows the truth, and you're not going to spin it around. And he goes... That's where he goes over there and starts, like, like come on, Theo, stop being an asshole. Look at my eyes. You saw it. And then the wife's like, you're a psycho- psychopath. Get away from us. <laughs> yeah. Luke's is like, okay, I can't. I'm going to punch your husband. He's getting a couple punches. <laughs> yeah, he's getting punched because of you. But you're going to sit here and I'm, I'm going to be put on the fucking cross. And you're going to sit here and let that happen. You, I thought we were friends. And he lashes out. It's the ultimate form of betrayal. Yeah. Yeah, but they're going to crucify him. And you're going to let that happen, Theo? Come on. Yeah, and that whole scene where, um, I believe it's, yeah, Christmas or, like, Christmas Eve or something, he, um, Theo goes into Clara's room, and she's, like, calling out for Lucas. That was so heartbreaking, like... Oh, yeah. She sees Fanny, like, laying on the floor. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. She sees Fanny there, and she's calling, like, hey, Fanny, and then it's like, Lucas... Oh man, that was, that just, yeah. One thing that, one motif that I really loved throughout the movie, and it was, it happened both with Lucas and with Marcus. Whenever they talked to Clara, they treated her like a normal person. Like, they would be like, they would, like, hey, they would, they would address Clara, and then afterwards they would be like, hi Clara. And then they would be like, and then she'd be like, hi Lucas. Or, like, hi, Marcus. Mm. Like, it was so touching because it's, like, just, they're on equal grounds. Like, they're not treating her as a child or, like, this, or placing her on a pedestal or anything like that. Like, they're, it's just such a nice way of, like, treating a child. Because, like, even with my niece and stuff, like, I, the reason why her and I get along so well is because, like, I actually listen to her and, like, listen to, to all the things that she has to say as opposed to talking over her. And, like, being like, oh, well, I'm an adult. Like, you're a child. You should listen to me. And, I don't know, I just found that to be so endearing. That those traits were being passed down from Lucas to Marcus. Like, it's such a healthy way of, like, just communicating with others. Like, even regardless of, like, children, just, like, treating everyone, you know, equally. And, I don't know, just respecting one another. I think it's important to help them develop, especially Clara, where you see her neurosis is manifesting. Where it's very much like, she's very much heard when she's, oh, hi, Clara, hi, Lucas, and then all that, right? Mm-hmm. It's like, 
it seems like essential training that Lucas was probably given of like, yeah, you had to help them develop to become people. Yeah, and like establish their identities. Yeah, I think especially since it's been implied that she may need like some special at- attention, I guess, or like they're, she's like very imaginative and like I think, yeah, what's her name? Uh, Grief or Greta? Greta? Yeah, I was mentioning like, yeah, like there were implications there about her mindset and how special she is but we don't exactly know like what's going on but what we do know is like yeah when she walks anywhere she can't step on lines so yeah she definitely has a lot you know a lot of neuroses which i believe is pretty much abnormal for a child right i mean if your child was like neurotic like that all the time that's definitely not normal they should be enjoying life and like be a kid and have fun but she's just kind of alone and neglected. And I feel really, really terrible for her. Yeah. That one scene was the most heartbreaking scene for me. It was the, uh, after a year, a year on from the Ooh. Theo's or Lucas's acceptance back into the community. <coughs> mm. And, uh, Clara's there and she's, what is it? She wants to cross the kitchen, but it's all small tiles. So there's a bunch of lines. And then Lucas is like, he's like, he's fully aware of, it's only been a year on since his accusations, but he's like, no, I'm gonna, Clara's a kid. She needs, she needs to be treated humanely. I can't, I can't neglect her out of fear of myself for myself. Shows how much of an upstanding guy he is. Where, oh, he picks her up, he carries her across and he's nice to her. And yeah, like you said, like, he's okay, Clara, happy to help or something. All right, there you go, Clara. So oh, thank you, Lucas. And she runs off. It just, yeah, that part hurt in the film. Great scene. It, it's such a, this movie is such, uh, it's it's so pivotal because it's, it's a prime reason or a prime testament to lead by example. Like that's, that's the most, in my opinion, that's the best form of leadership when it comes to training and teaching in general. It's like, no, this is how you. This is the right way to go about doing things, where it makes people develop properly, and it leads them back onto the path of like virtuousness and righteousness, as opposed to one of like you said, Pat, like fear and confusion and all these toxic areas that we tend to stray off in. And Lucas, like I think just with the themes of martyrdom, like he recognizes that he recognizes that he's going to have to take his blows in order to lead by example in the community. Because like even a year on, I was surprised that like everyone was so friendly towards him. Like even like the big supermarket guy and like all of his other friends and stuff, like everyone was just so warm and welcoming to him again. But it's like, even during those scenes, like there was that, that hint of music underneath where it was just like, no, the suspicions uh, will always be there. Like even with, um, Clara's brother, like he's looking at, um, cause I think it's Marcus's ceremony for getting his hunting license Mm -hmm. and he was being passed down the, the rifle that's been in Lucas's family for generations. And Lucas is just looking around the room, you know, seeing, you know, just reflecting on the journey that he's been through. And then he catches the glimpse of Clara's brother who's staring at him. 
and then he he recognizes that Lucas is looking at him, and then he turns away. It's like that moment alone says so much of just the lingering sense of doubt that will always haunt him, which ties into the ending of the movie where they're out hunting again, and then all of a sudden we just hear a bullet whiz by and hit the tree that Lucas is standing next to. And then he looks up at the hill, and it's just a dark silhouette of, like, a faceless person. And that's so representative of the of the backlash that will always haunt him. No, and they reload, and then they run away. But, yeah. I like, I like, I think it's a bit of the Dogville thing as well, where they reintegrate Lucas so fastly as, like, a thing of forgetting how quick they were to go hysterical, but, like, how quick they were there. To like get rid of the shame that they were feeling or yeah, something. They're so quick to cast out someone and like, oh, like Theo Theo knows he didn't do it, so he's actually innocent, so we've been horrible to him, but now he's reintegrated and we're we're just gonna forget how we were then and move on like it was old times. But it's still a bit telling, like I think the fact that Lucas is even the speech at the son's hunting I think that was like a bit of like his, his godfather doing it. Yeah, it was Bruin doing it. Yeah. yeah, it's a bit of the whole like I don't think they'd have let Lucas do it, or Lucas knew better than to. I don't even know how it's done over there. It seems like something a father would do, like hand down the grandfather's gun. Mm-hmm. But Lucas is like stuck at the table, looking around and taking it in. And then yeah, he sees the Clara's brother, who's like one of the most guilty, in a certain aspect. He's like the one who really started like the whole thing. If you he really showed, think about yeah, it, yeah, he showed his, yeah. his friend or whatever showed his sister's pornographic images, and she's mm-hmm. six. It's like, no, you don't. Yeah, you don't let someone do that. You don't let. He's way too old to be allowing that. He's not eight or anything. We just got the internet. Right. Yeah, he's a teenager. He's like around the same age as Marcus. Yeah, I think he's a little older. My theory behind um, Clara's reaction to the set of events is that the feeling that she had when her brother did show her the inappropriate material, it was like the feeling of wanting to escape after being shown something that you didn't like. And so when Lucas kind of rejected her, in a sense, or kind of like tried teaching her the way, she felt that similar sensation of wanting to like recede into herself, where she was willing to accept anything in order to make it go away, which is why she ends up telling that white lie or and then it just spirals out of control and as opposed to letting it haunt her for the rest of her life of like making this poor decision lucas decides to once again lead by example and show her that hey it's okay like just like this is what happens when you do that sort of thing but you don't have to let it dictate your entire life from here onward because like what she's like six yeah like (laughs) Like, that's an entire lifetime waiting to unfold with all of these, like, horrible, I don't know, just, yeah. Yeah, Lucas is willing to forgive her, even though he's aware everyone else isn't. And I think it's her brother taking that shot. Yeah, I think so, too. Yeah, that's what I thought. Although it's meant to be vague. I, for a second, thought that, like, they were going to make it seem like her brother was, like, the one actually doing, like, the sexual abuse for a second. That, like, scene where they're, like, playing with the toys was just was just weird to me. Yeah. It was, like, off-putting. It was. And and the thing is, is you bring up a really good point, too, because even Clara, like, you could read it on her face. She like looked uncomfortable. 
And she even says, she puts like the little gnome there, and she's like, I'm going to put him here so he can like see everything that happens. And I'm like, huh. And then like one vicious, and then when her brother like starts getting weird about it and starts feeling like this sense of like remorse over like even the way that he neglected her, she's like, uh, I don't really want to be a part of this. She's like, I want to go outside and look at the snow coming down because this is cool. Like she's trying to just keep living her life, but she's being pulled back into this narrative that's being spun of like how like she people are like so quick to give her this sympathy and like project their own feelings onto her as opposed to letting her be herself. And it's such a precautionary tale of like, just even how one should interact with, with children by example and stuff. Cause it's like, dude, like you don't project onto others. That's like, that's a horrible thing to do because then you're taking away from their identity. Like you aren't giving them room to be themselves. Yeah, they all the adults were clearly trying to take away her agency and her autonomy, and I think that Lucas was like one of like the few people who gave her that. I think that's why she really felt attached and drawn to him, and that's just really sad, you know. Meanwhile, everyone else just ignored her or didn't cater to her needs. He's the one had that helped her get through the lines, you know. Yep. Yeah. Rough watch. Yeah, so I know. I apologize, everyone. I felt like it was much needed. No, <laughs> no. I, I've, been, I've been meaning to watch this movie because it's like Pat. Like you, you recommended it to me before, and you told me you're like this. This image on the poster. Oh, the, yeah, the turn. <laughs> I want to watch like every Danish Mads Mikkelsen movie now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> after the wedding, he's in After the Wedding too. Yeah. I forget who that was directed by, but that was like amazing he's such a good actor in that too so and i think that movie won awards too because he won best actor at the Cannes yeah, for, for this. this one he's just a, yeah he's a god when it comes to acting he disappears like i didn't even because there's so many times in movies where i'm like oh this is so-and-so oh this is so-and-so like as as a filmmaker like i'm sure all of us like we we like are aware of all the things that go on behind the curtains of like when a movie is being made and we pay attention to like these conventions and like just the technicalities of it all. But it's so beautiful to be able to watch something and still feel the same sensation that you would otherwise without having all this insider information on it. And like, he is one of the few people who completely disappears from me. Like I, I instantly believe him to be the character that he's portraying and it makes me feel all the more immersed when I get to engage with stories like that. Like, that's the prime reason why I'm so drawn to to movies as a whole. I don't know. I think, yeah, Tyler, you're absolutely right. I want to watch everything, man. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, you're at, yeah he, he is like a chameleon. He does disappear into the roles. And it sucks that, like, when he does dip his toes into American films, okay. he's, like, stereotyped as, like, like, you're a villain. villain. Yeah, <laughs> like a villain or, like, a... Or just get wasted in a Disney movie, you know? Like, uh, he was in Rogue One, and he just gets... He only gets, like, ten minutes of screen time, and I'm like, damn. They just totally wasted his talents, but he got the Disney money, so whatever. I just want to say, in Rogue One, he does... He blends in right away. Like, oh, it's Baz Mikkelsen, that's cool. Mm -hmm. But he still seems like the character. I haven't seen Doctor Who? 
Doctor Strange. Oh, yeah, he plays the main villain in that one. I've just seen images of him, him in the, as the main villain in that. It just looks so like, oh, it's clearly like if I was to watch that, oh, it's Mads Mikkelsen in like a bright red suit kind yeah. of or bright green villain suit, and there's CGI in his eyes, which is like the most striking part of him. Yeah, it's okay. And we don't hear anything about his character beyond that, so we know that. It's just a one-off thing. and Yeah, he's just being typecast. Mm-hmm. That's such a crime. Ugh. I can only imagine what it's like to be an actor and just be typecasted like Cause, that. Cause he's a star. He, he has so much talent. And, you know, like, the fact that he was an athlete and a dancer, like, it shows in, like, for instance, a show like Hannibal, like, he gets to show his, not just his acting chops, but, like, the physicality of the role as well. Um... Yeah, he's a fantastic actor, and yeah, it makes me want to watch um, his other works. Uh, and I'm I'm happy to have actually seen him in other works like Valhalla Rising and Oof. yeah, like the yes. Pusher, first Pusher movie, and yeah. yeah, like if 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 this is your first time seeing Mads Mikkelsen in a film, definitely check out like what you said, Tyler. After the wedding, that's another like incredible like tour de force performance that he puts on and yeah like it's yeah it's one of those movies that you have to watch him in if you want to see beyond the caricatures that he plays in american films it's a crime to see him in these other movies because that doesn't do his talent justice i got an idea for the hunt too (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> let's grab one eye from Bahala Rising <laughs> and just put him in the hunt and that'll be the film they <laughs> <hunt. laughs> everyone, everyone will get their due diligence yeah rats <laughs> running around with a sweet battle axe <laughs> killing fools it's like Rambo <laughs> <laughs> yeah and he's in another film called Arctic which I've been wanting to watch as well but oh yeah yeah I'm glad you guys I'll watch this film and that you guys liked it. Dude, thanks um, for recommending this movie. Oh my gosh, like, I was looking for every excuse to watch it, and yeah. this is the perfect one. I'm glad you guys did. I'm glad I can show it to you guys. I um, think that's the highest, like, roundtable rating we had for a movie. Really? I think so, too. That or, like, Confessions, I want to say. I think we had some pretty high ratings for Confessions. Yeah, I think unanimously, yeah, it was at least 4.5 and above. And... Yeah, I'm glad I picked this one because it was either this or Irreversible. And Irreversible is way tougher to watch than this. Way more harsh. And it's a Gaspar Noé film, so like... Oh, we haven't watched... Oh! (laughs) Yeah, we haven't watched a single Gaspar Noé film. Oh, boy. Yeah, he does extreme French cinema, so... Glad I picked this one. (laughs) (laughs) This is like a perfect introductory like outside of the Hollywood sphere it's a foreign film but it's it's so handcrafted and well made that it stands beyond a lot of what Hollywood's making today yeah Yeah. like start with the hunt and then you work them into Enter the Void and other stuff (laughs) I know because that's extreme but whereas this one yeah the the themes in the story are so much more accessible and it yeah we can have much more appropriate discourse about it so yeah, I'm glad that we can have this talk because it's so hard hitting and it's not explicit enough for us to like be uncomfortable. Like we understand and um, empathize with the situation. So, 
So yeah, um, I think that's our closing thoughts. Um, again, like if you're listening to us on iTunes or Spotify, like definitely follow us or even subscribe and leave us reviews. And if you have any comments or like suggestions on films or anything that we've mentioned or have said, definitely send us questions or like if you, even if you disagreed or didn't even like our opinions on the film, definitely let us know. Um, so yeah, follow us on Lay Film Podcast on Instagram and Lay Film Podcast at Gmail dot com. Definitely, definitely send us anything. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, this is Lay Film, and we're signing out.